right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. And I also believe that the best way to get teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, help us spread the word to youth leaders. It is time for a revolution in youth ministry that will result in every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. Today, I'm super excited about our guests uh, one of my best friends on the planet. I've been working with her for 26 years, Debbie Brissina, who is the president of Dare to Share and uh, the best leader I know. She is focused on the mission. She knows how to, knows how to build a team. She's in tune with the spirit of God. Uh, we argue a lot uh, as a, I'm the founder. She's the leader of the ministry. But we argue, we break, we fight through the breakthrough, and a lot of what you've seen over the years at Dare to Share has been a result of the conflicts that we've had. Uh, but we've been able to work stuff out, and I just think it's been amazing that God has brought uh, Debbie Brissina to the ministry. And I tend to be, uh, unfortunately, on the face or to help us <laughs> of the ministry. But she is really uh, what makes the ministry work here in the office and not just in the office, but also with our partnerships and, um, you know, the, uh, conflict, uh, that we're able to work through. I'm more of a visionary. She's more of the integrator as, as uh, the book rocket fuel says, but it's been really, uh, good and effective and powerful. And our families are very close. My wife is named Debbie as well, which sometimes leads to confusion. So I have D1, my wife, D2, Debbie Racina. Uh, her husband, Rick, uh, has been such a champion of seeing the gospel advance. And uh, so our families are very, very close. And so anyway, Debbie, with, without further ado, thank you for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Greg. I um, am a little bit more comfortable behind the scenes, but... Um, it's really humbling to hear your introduction and thank you so much. And it's been really a privilege to serve alongside you these last couple of decades or so. We're going on three, which I can't believe I'm actually that old, but um, it's been fun. It has been really fun. So your first encounter, I mean, literally you, you and Rick started coming to Grace Church mm -hmm. when I was pastor there, you know, preaching pastor and I remember you came in and you wanted to volunteer at the church or something, right? Yeah, I had started my own consulting firm and had been doing that for a couple of years. And honestly, Grace Church was the very first church that I ever actually started going to regularly. I didn't grow up in a church family. Um, and so I didn't really know what that was like. And so my husband and I found Grace um, and attended and loved the authenticity that was there. And so once I became self-employed, I decided, hey, I should probably volunteer because that's what Christians do, I think, maybe. And um, came into the church during business hours and asked you um, if there was something that I could do for the church and kind of told you a little bit about my business and what I, was, what I had been doing. And you said, well, we would love your help. Um, you could help with a bulletin. I don't even know if they do those anymore, bulletins, but back then you could help with a bulletin, but I have this new ministry that I just founded and we're struggling and would you be interested in hearing more about it? 
And so that's really kind of our first encounter, or one of them. Yeah, and I remember uh, you coming in and volunteering because you volunteered at Dare to Share for, was it a year or two before you came on staff? Yeah, I loved the um, the idea of the ministry at the time was to reach these teenagers. And I had had a really, really, really rough time as a young person, a lot of struggles, um, pretty, pretty heavily involved in some pretty bad things. And so when you told me the vision and the mission, of what Dare to Share was about. Even back then, I was really intrigued and excited, but I started by just volunteering and and um, you were kind of just a pet project, I guess it would say. And then it sort of ended up where um, I did some contract work for the ministry and you guys paid me a little bit of money. Um, <laughs> back then, I think it was just a couple hundred dollars a month. And then eventually became the very first employee, official employee for the ministry. And so um, I am number one on our payroll system. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> so, yeah. And, it, you know, you know, working with me has been no easy task, I'm sure. And I'm, I know you have a ton of crazy stories about what it's like to work with. Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> just not a lot of time because we're going to get to the subject but maybe like one story because i know youth leaders who know me probably want to say okay tell us give us something give us something to mock greg with oh my goodness i um well first of all it it really is an honor coming alongside somebody who is so obviously anointed by god so greg did not tell me to say that that's my strong strong opinion i believe that god has called him to barely be a champion for this uh, generation and for evangelism and for training them to reach their peers. And that's really exciting and it always inspires me. So even over the couple of decades that I've been involved, I can always sit and listen to him tell stories and watch the effects of his stories and the way that he brings biblical truth. Um, home for these young people. I can listen to that all the time over and over and over again. And it's, it really is a blessing. It blesses my soul. Um, but of course we all know Greg, However, <laughs> we all know Greg is kind of wild and crazy. I get asked a lot to see the same guy, um, on stage as he is in the office. And the answer is yes and no. So, so you are definitely fun loving and lighthearted and kind of goofy. Um, and a bit of a, of a spaz at times, but you're also very serious about the mission. And so there is a side of you that takes this very, very seriously. But one of my favorite memories, just to get to the point here, is in the really early days um, when we were struggling, we um, were just launching the ministry. I think I had been around for about a year, maybe two. And we ended up going through some pretty rough financial times. And so um, that led to us inhabiting the basement of the church. So the, there was an empty Sunday school classroom that, that Dare to Share uh, moved the furniture into. It was like maybe 200 square feet. It wasn't very big. And that um, we just worked there all the time. But you were kind of out and about. And of course, since it was the church, there were a lot of other people around too. But um, one day you came in and 
you had been studying in the morning, I believe, and you asked me if you could borrow some money for lunch. And I said, well, all I have is a $20 bill. And you said, well, that's all right. I'll bring you back some change. And so you left and didn't come back for like three hours. And I remember I was just working away down in this little basement Sunday school room all by myself, not, you know, getting stuff done. And you show up and you handed me like $2.15. And I looked down at my hand and I was like, well, where exactly did you go for lunch? Like, what exactly happened? You've been gone for two and a half hours. And you said, well, I decided to see a movie too. <laughs> I and I later found out that, of course, I give you a really hard time about that because you left me there, um, you know, to get all the work done. But I later found out that that was really your way of dealing with stress. And there were a lot of things that we were struggling with at the time. And for you, you just needed a little bit of a break. So you had gone to the movies. Oh, my goodness. So That's back when you could have lunch and watch a movie. For less than $20. For $18.85. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have a lot more stories, uh, but we're not here for that. So, Deb, what would you say as a key leader, uh, you know, in ministry, been doing this for a long, long time, you know, there's youth leaders that are wondering, hey, you know, how do I lead my team effectively? How do I lead my team of adult leaders, student leaders? What are what are some of the keys to leadership, in your opinion? That's uh, a really good question. Um I'm going to try to alliterate because, you know, I know that you like stuff like that. So. Yes, I do. <laughs> so um, I would say listen, learn, love, and lead. So four L's. Um, and let me explain it. So first of all, you really need to walk in with an attitude of listening and just seeking to understand if you're not listening to your folks, if you're not paying attention to what's happening in their life and what is happening in their workday or their um, as they're trying to lead, um, either as students or as adult leaders, then you're going to be missing out. Um, as far as learning is concerned, I would say that you need to learn from those that you're leading as well as you need to always be learning yourself. So whether you are... Uh, soaking up content or reading a lot or talking to other leaders, you need to always have an attitude that, that there is something else for you to learn. I know for me, um, I'm going on 60 now and I definitely still feel like there is so much out there that I need to learn. Um, I'm especially aware of that when it comes to scripture and I'm always just trying to soak that in and soak that up. And so learning is super, super important as a leader. And then um, love, you know, I just think it's kind of underrated. Not enough people are talking about that in leadership these days. You really, truly need to sincerely love the people that you're trying to lead and that you were working alongside. If you don't care for them, um, then how are you going to be able to trust them? And how are they going to really want to follow you? Um, and I mean really sincerely love them. And that's just super, super important. You should love the students that you're leading. You should love the adults that you're leading. Um, and finally, just simply lead. There will be times where you just need to make a decision. And once you've received 
as much information as you feel you need and you've asked as many questions as you can and you've listened to those who are around you and who would maybe be experts in whatever problem you're trying to solve or whatever project you're trying to execute, you need to step out front and make a decision and just lead well. And a lot of times that's not going to be popular. Um, a lot of times you are not going to be um, able to make a decision that everybody agrees with, but it's super important that you make a decision. And then I would just follow that up with um, be vulnerable and transparent enough to come back to a decision that you've made and stand by it, but also admit when you've made a mistake. And it could be that you just made a decision with the information that you had and you got new information and the decision turned out to not be as good of a decision as you had thought originally. Um, but just be transparent about that and tell your team um, and let them see you working through it. And I think when you do that, you'll be a leader that folks want to follow. So listen, learn, love, lead. Correct. As they say, Debbie Brasina, that will preach. That's really good. Because <laughs> my four L's have always been lead, lead, laugh, and leave. Ha ha, I'm out of here. <laughs> Well, laughter is good. I like laughter. See? We should have added that one. <laughs> the fifth L. Um, yeah, and that's, why, again, why you are the key leader here because you, you really do those four L's well. Um, and you do. You, you laugh well, too. You, Thank you. You do not tell jokes that well. You try, but you laugh at jokes. Everybody hears your laugh. It fills the... It fills the office, so it's great. And you're really good at those those four L's. Um, so let's talk about this leading, right? Uh, how do you know if you're leading effectively? How do you measure um, your effectiveness, uh, you know, as a leader and with your leaders? Yeah, I would say um, results matter, that they're um, critical. They're really, really important. Um, they're not the only thing. So you have to be really careful that when you're creating a scorecard, and that's exactly what we call it around here as a scorecard, that you have indicators, performance indicators that are balanced. And so you want things that are activity generated. You want to make sure that those that those indicators are, are um, very clear and quantifiable and that people understand them. But you also want other things. Um, it could be that you're looking at um, maybe spiritual health. Um, one of the things I measure is organizational health around here. What is our culture um, like right now? And the way that I get that data is that we survey our staff and, we, and I do staff interviews um, very randomly and ad hoc where I take people out for coffee or out for lunch and I ask them um, really like just uh, informal questions about how they're feeling about working with the ministry. Um, you have to have balance. So you want, you want things that are quantifiable and you want things that are qualifiable. You want stories. You want to hear about life change. Those are things that are difficult to measure but are really, really important. It's kind of a little bit like the dashboard in your car. You'd, you want to make sure that you're not just looking at one thing. Is my gas tank full or empty? You need to be looking at all kinds of things. There are several different measures. So I would just really um, 
it depends on what kind of a leader you are. So I would encourage those who are watching or listening to make sure that if they are one of those people who is really passionate about quantifiable results, that they look for others that um, work with them and for them, then help them kind of balance that out with qualifiable and anecdotal results, you know, and stories and vice versa. If you've got somebody who's more of a storyteller and more relational, that they have someone around them who is a numbers person and who loves to keep track of, you know, attendance and how many people have been saved. But just be careful you don't do, you don't lean too heavily on one side or the other. Yeah. So I, you know, just to translate that into youth ministry language, um, because we are a nonprofit ministry, which is, you know, we're a ministry focused, but we use a lot of business language internally, qualifiable and quantifiable, you know, quantifiable, maybe the number of baptisms that we have, new conversion growth, what kind of impact are we making in our community? You know, the qualifiable, the quality of our disciples that we're making, how do we know the spiritual maturation points in our students? Those are measurements that are really, really super important. So be thinking about that as Debbie talks, you know, what are those qualifiable and quantifiable results? And Deb, what I love about your leadership style is you really are about, you know, listening and loving and learning, but you're also about leading and you're about results. And those are rare. Oftentimes you get relational leaders that, you know, it doesn't matter how many kids we're impacting. It just matters that we're here in the room and we love each other. And then you get the other side is just drive, 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 numbers, 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 mm -hmm. but we don't really care. We leave dead bodies, you know, around us because we're just mm -hmm. getting to the results, you know. And so really finding that balance is really, really good. Um, so what would you encourage youth leaders? How would you encourage youth leaders? Maybe they have an adult leader, a student leader that's resistant to change or that maybe a, you know, a problem to deal with. How do you, how do you deal with uh, somebody on your team that's not willing to change? Oh boy. Um, well, first of all, let's just acknowledge that the last 18 to 20 months have been all about change, right? Like um, we've lived in a season, in a season through a season of constant turbulence. And um, I think for most people that are human beings, <laughs> um, all of us are probably going to learn how to accommodate change a lot better on the other side of COVID. Um, however, it's hard. Change is hard for most people. Um, it just is. I mean, we're inherently um, creatures of habit and we like predictability. We like to know what to expect. You'll get, you'll get folks who are incredibly resistant um, to change and it could be just their personality style or it could be that they really, that they really actually have a problem. So where I start typically is just by thinking about the person, understanding who they are, but then making sure that I take the time to really spell out the why. So help them really understand why. Why are we wanting to make this change? Why do we wanna see them um, participate in it? Why is it important? And when you've done that and you've allowed them to process and you've allowed them to maybe ask some questions about it, um, you're, gonna, you're gonna till the soil. I mean, it will, it will for sure um, help 
Now, it might not be the only thing they need. You really might need to paint a picture of the outcome as well. Some people just can't get it. They can't see how what you're trying to do um, is going to be helpful for them and you need to paint the picture of the end result. You need to show them what it is that you're trying to accomplish and help them understand and catch that vision and and if you can't get them there then I would say be as patient as you can um, walk alongside them to the best of your ability but at the end of the day eventually you're gonna have to again lead you've got to make that decision and and um, I don't like to go to that place but there is a time where you say you're either you know you're either uh, with us or not and and maybe and if you can't get there then this isn't maybe the right project for you to be involved in um, so you you know I just don't like to do that I would make that the last resort yeah no but sometimes you have to you have to release people yeah. and that's the hard part of you know running dare to share hard part of ministry hard part of being a youth leader um, sometimes you just gotta you know release people from those positions um, so we're kind of in a you know a culture of leadership toxicity mm -hmm. I mean a lot of people I've talked to in the ministry including myself have listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill mm -hmm. the, the podcast to Christianity today and it talks about not just Mars Hill, but a lot of the kind of the toxic leadership structures that are out there in ministry. And, you know, we've worked really hard at Dare to Share to avoid that. And, you know, before it was, a, you know, um, a, well, well before it was a podcast, we've, we've mm -hmm. been having these conversations for a long time. What do you think that, uh, you know, what have you done to ensure your heart stays pure and the organization keeps Christ at the center and not a person. Because in a ministry like Dare to Share, quite honestly, it's easy for, you know, the founder and the founder, uh, you know, to kind of build it around myself. And, uh, and then if I, you know, crumble, everything else crumbles. And, you know, it's a temptation having a, you know, I have a very alpha, you know, let's go personality, let's drive, I'm a driver. Um, so how do you think we've avoided that and continue to try to, you know, seek to avoid that at Dare to Share and really build a structure that's healthy and a leadership structure that centers on Jesus and not on a singular personality? That's yeah. a lot of questions packed in there. But what do you think we've done to help us? Well, I mean, I, I listened to the podcast. Um, I remember, I think I had just started in ministry when when all of that was happening and um it broke my heart to be really honest with you um but i listened through that series with the intent of wanting to learn of wanting to really understand so that i could avoid as much of those um pitfalls as possible i think for us um well, I mean, actually, let me just start with my own self. <laughs> you know, first of all, I'm not perfect. I got a long way. I'm a long way from it. Um, but here's what I know is that if if I am not going to the Lord, if I am not keeping my life straight with the Lord and making sure that that relationship is is like this first, then then that's a problem 
like I need to I need to spend time with him first and foremost and I need to really and I mean the more authority and the more responsibility I have the more um, the, the more of a burden I have to just make sure that I'm spending really concentrated and dedicated time with him and and really being prayerful and I like to pray for my folks. I like to pray for the people that I care about. And so, you know, that is just another opportunity for me to talk to, to God. Um, and second of all, I think that at Dare to Share, for you and I especially, I mean, we sort of, you were just kicking this ministry off when I got involved. And so, you know, we sort of uh, grew into um, the ministry and what we did together as we were going through it and we became really good friends and you know we have permission to keep each other humble um, you have no problem coming to me and saying Deb I think you're wrong or have you considered you know this other strategy or ask really hard questions and I have no problem going to you at any point, any time, and saying, you know, wait a minute, Greg, you know, let's just take a step back, because usually, you know, you're like, go, 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 and just look at this a different way. And we, I mean, it's just an unwritten rule. The mission is bigger than us, um, and we both want the same thing, and we have a lot of relational equity, and we care about it. Yeah, and I think I would agree with all that. I think the other thing we've done is we've realized, you know, there's a little diatrophies in all of us, you know, in mm -hmm. third John, when the apostle John says diatrophies who loves to be first among them, I'll confront when I get there. And a lot of theologians believe diatrophies was one of the elders at this church that just wanted to take control and lead everything. And, uh, down deep inside, we have a little diatrophies in all of us. If we're not careful, we want to take a charge. And I know I have a lot of di diatrophies in me. I feel like one of the things we've done as an organization is we've built a structure mm -hmm. to where we have a high-powered board that uh, I'm not on, you're not on, that we give an account to. These are very godly people uh, that are passionate about the vision. Uh, we've centralized the vision. We've talked about succession. We're raising up other leaders, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not technically in the leadership structure anymore, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. I lead now through influence rather than authority. And I think the way that we've built the organization can't fail safe completely anything because the flesh is the flesh. But I feel like we've built a God honoring uh, ministry organization mm -hmm. <clears throat> to the youth leaders out there. I think it's just really a good reminder that we build our youth ministries around Jesus Christ, that he Amen. is our gospel advancing leader and that we don't elevate ourselves or a student or anybody other than Jesus Christ to that role and to keep that going. So Deb, thanks for, we're going to bring in a youth leader now, but Amen. thanks for being the leader that you are. Thanks for being my friend. Um, and thanks for uh, being the, you know, the really a good counterbalance i feel like both of us we've rubbed off on each other in many ways but at the same mm -hmm. time we have unique strengths and that's really the rocket fuel as they say for what dare to share is today so it's a pleasure well well done all right let's uh let's bring in doug henry doug henry is in his seventh year serving as a youth leader at uh, mission baptist church in south Southwest Missouri. He's actually been a part of that church for 34 years. He's a bivocational youth leader. He's the chief detective at the Barry County 
sheriff's office. He uh, serves as his third term as a school board member. And we call this the um, Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast, but I've not been in youth ministry for a long, long time. So we bring in actual youth leaders to be a part of this, to kind of interact and ask questions and make comments and and give their input. So, Doug, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and so you're there, oh, full gear. Uh, you're ready to ready to rock, right? And you're not in youth leader mode right now. You're in in uh, law enforcement mode. Yeah, I actually, I, I guess I'm done rocking it. I I, I got off at four o'clock, so you caught me at the end of my shift. Perfect, perfect. Well, it's always good to have a youth leader who. <laughs> Who knows how to tackle and tase in case the lock-in goes bad, right? It's, uh, I swore to myself a lock-in would never enter my vocabulary. There you go. That's right. So as you kind of listen to us, Doug, you've, you've known us. You're part of our you know, Gospel Advancing Council. You've seen us interact. How does this conversation about leading a team, and a team may be other adult leaders or student leaders, uh, how is what Debbie uh, shared, uh, you know, reflect in your mind? Any comments or questions or what, what would you have to say about that? You know, the whole time I was listening to her talk, especially when she went over those four L's, um, it just it, it, it all builds around relationships in my mind. Um, and if we can't develop a relationship with our leaders, uh, then we're not going to build effective leaders. And so I, uh, far as adult leaders, uh, you know, I've got a, a few and we go out to eat together. We, uh, of course, one of them is my wife, so I live with her. Uh, but uh, I think I'm in charge sometimes. Uh, but anyway, we, we try to at least keep that, that connection with them where it's not just a Wednesday, Sunday uh, relationship, that it's full through the week and let them know they have investment in this ministry to where they don't just feel like they're uh, just in the room for furniture, that they actually are a very vital role in what we are trying to do. Because um, my my biggest failure as a leader is I don't delegate enough. I'm, I'm one of those, I try to do it all because I don't want anybody else to to bear the burden that I feel like needs to be done. So as, I, as I've listened, I've listened to strengths that I have and I've listened to failures that I have. So it's been kind of kind of a stomp on my toes a little bit, but also been something that I needed to hear that, hey, I'm doing some things right, but I got some things I need to work on. Yeah, and I, I think that you and I would both agree that Debbie needs to do a blog post on the four L's of leadership. Absolutely. And if she needs to throw that fifth one in there, that's fine. I think Laugh. I should. I think I should. I think laughter right. is super important. Um, it's perfect. I just want to encourage you, Doug, like, it, it, you know what? It's really hard for especially type A driven individuals to delegate. Um, I think all three of us are that way. Like we want to get stuff done and the quickest way to do it is to do it ourselves. And, um, but it is really, really rewarding when you can see someone else do something um, well, especially someone that you have developed. And so I would just encourage you to, you know, start giving away small assignments um, and then watch folks succeed and tell them that they're doing well and then just keep delegating more and more and more. If somebody can do it at least 
um, 50% as well, maybe even 80% as well as you, you should be giving it away. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I mean, really as a full-time law enforcement, you have to delegate, uh, you have to delegate this leadership. And, you know, I think Doug, you represent the, the average youth leader out there in the sense of most youth leaders are not full-time paid by a church. They're either, you know, bivocational or they're volunteer completely. And you have, you know, to learn how to delegate and you've done that well. Uh, your, your ministry is thriving because you know how to build student leaders. So what I, what, let me ask you the question, you know, what are some of the ways you as a youth leader kind of gauge your effectiveness uh, as a leader when it comes to getting the job done? Well, I mean, if with the student leaders I have are trying to get them to see the vision that we're trying to accomplish, which is all based around that seven values that Dare to Share puts out, uh, trying to trying to disciple those teenagers that will eventually be discipling other teenagers. We're trying to because as uh, I told the kids the other day, I said, one of these days I'm going to stand on this stage and it'll be the last time. And I got to make sure that I've built leaders that can pick up where I leave off. And so, you know, one of the greatest thing experience for me this year that was kind of a it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but I was great to see it at Dare to Share Live. Whenever um, we sent all the kids out to go uh, do the outreach, um, they all left me. I was I was at the church by myself with the other churches that had never done it before. We're just kind of figuring out, getting loaded up to go out. And I looked around and every one of my kids were gone because they all don't need me. And so <laughs> that's... Uh, that's I, I looked around and I looked at another church and I said, can I go with you guys? Because my kids all left. And so it's great. It's, it's like a proud parent sending his kid off to, to maybe college or their first job or whatever. I thought, man, they were, we must be doing something right. Cause they don't need me, but uh, it's, it's has a lot to do with what we've gained from you all and the investment that uh, the Holy Spirit's done in those students. And so if I can have kids that are, running in and telling me about gospel conversations throughout the week. We, we do take five for the gospel every Wednesday night where I got a squishy rubber ball that I throw out to them when they raise their hand and they tell me about how either they had a gospel conversation or something. And so whenever they see me grab that ball and I see hands start shooting up, wanting it, then I know that, uh, that those, those student leaders and just the students period are on the right track. That's great. So Doug, you know, I, you know, looking at you there in your, you know, squad car and your, you know, law enforcement uh, gear, I can't help but think it's probably a lot like training a rookie, you know, in law enforcement. They got to be with you. They got to watch. They got to learn. And then you give them more responsibility and pretty soon they're on their own and you've, you've multiplied yourself. I mean, in that sense, you're a disciple maker on two fronts, the law enforcement front and the youth ministry front. Have you ever thought about that? You know, yeah. I mean, to an extent, I probably should dive deeper into it and what I have, but um, because what we're doing here, people's lives are on the line. And so what we are doing ministry wise, people's eternal lives are on the line. Uh, so 
uh, my kids do love the fact that this that this is what I do for a living because they get the chance to see that cops are just regular people too. Um, but I had a, a guy ask me once, he said, why do you think God made you wait so long to get into youth ministry? And I said, I don't think I could have fully embraced the brokenness of teenagers if I hadn't seen it for so many years. So now I can meet these kids on the level that I that I've seen them go through over these years. And I can build leaders off of seeing how they've been beat up and and feed off those strengths and those weaknesses and um you know it's we're, we're just we're out here trying to save people uh i mean the correct nobody likes seeing the cops show up that's why i try not to treat the kids like their principal i try to meet them at, i try to meet them at 14 year old me instead of 46 year old me that's looking at them with with 30 some years of wisdom already ahead of them but yeah. uh, it's it's a fine line to walk well, Doug, you know, I'll get these texts from you just randomly throughout the day. Hey, just, you know, I just came upon a teen suicide, pray, uh, or, you know, a homicide. You, you know, you're, you're dealing with, you know, white supremacists. You're dealing with uh, gang activity. You're dealing with death. You're dealing with meth addicts. You're dealing with overdoses. You see the ugly side of the newspaper. We read the black and white. You see it in living color every single day. So you understand that urgency. So what challenge would you give to youth leaders about really taking evangelism seriously? Like you as a police officer take, you know, saving lives seriously. What challenge would you give to youth leaders right now watching this to take, take this mission and this vision and the cause seriously? You know, it's, it's only going to be as you're only going to take it as serious as you take your, your relationship with Christ as serious. Um, but you know, I, I gave my kids a challenge one day. It was, uh, I sent them a text that Monday morning before school started. And I said, hey, at three o'clock today, Christ is coming back. If that was true, how are you going to live this day out? Who, what are you going to do? Who are you going to come in contact with? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we went through that, that Activate series that you guys put out last mm-hmm. year after Dare to Share Live. We went through that again this year. And, uh, the the star wars video that you guys had in there uh that really impacted them especially um just like i was talking about that uh, that scene with c-3po where he says i'm taking one last look at my friends uh we never know when that one last look at our friends is going to be because i've mm-hmm. my wife's a school teacher she's buried i think nine ten students mm-hmm. um and and i've i've told i don't know how many parents that their kids were dead from car wrecks suicide you don't, you don't know what's going on inside the head of your students sitting there in your classroom. Um, nobody commits suicide because they're depressed or anxiety. It's just hopelessness. And yeah. so we are here to give people hope because getting people to understand that there's, this is not it. There's this, there is a beyond. That's why I love teaching the four chair. I love uh, doing anything with uh, that, the stuff that you guys put out to I don't know. I, I I would love to be able to just grab people and shove the seriousness of the gospel in, in their face and, and say, go out and do this. But you can't do that. Um, that's my type A personality. But I mean, it's I, we did a deal one time with with uh, some guys came in, grabbed one of our students and she's screaming. Why didn't you tell me when they were dragging her out of the building? And I said, this is going to be me one day. Whatever judgment day looks like standing there talking or waiting to get into heaven. I, I don't I don't know what that looks like, but. One day, somebody's going to be screaming at me, why didn't you tell me? And I've got those people. I've got family. I've got friends that I didn't tell about Christ. 
and they're going to be screaming at me. Why didn't you tell me? And I don't have an answer for that. Just, I didn't, nobody was pushing me to. So if you have a youth leader that's pushing you to share the gospel, you should grab on to that person and go, go with that goer and pray for the rest. Yeah. Well, Doug, thanks so much. Uh, thank you so much for your uh, service as a officer to, to rescue people physically uh, and to protect uh, the, the people of the United States in your area. Thank you for your commitment as a youth leader to rescue teenagers spiritually. And thanks for your leadership. Uh, I have seen you excel as a leader. I'm so proud of you as a gospel advancing leader. And I believe God is using you in powerful ways. So count it an honor to, to be able to serve by your side. Well, I will say, as I tell everybody, until I came across this crazy guy, Chris Selby, who was giving me the dare to share stuff to teach to my teenagers, my, uh, my youth ministry had no focus. And you all have majorly helped turn our youth ministry upside down and make it a radical thing that that now we're networking out with other youth leaders in the area pulling them in and again there's that relationship side so uh thank you for investing in us uh, the from all the bivocational leaders across the united states i'll say on their behalf thank you for seeing us because not all organizations see us out here they just go after the full-time guys and yeah. i uh we appreciate you so much well love you man Thanks so much. And uh, Doug, thanks so much for being a part of it. Debbie, thanks for your leadership at Dare to Share and putting up with me all these years and hopefully many years to come. Uh, and every all the youth leaders watching and listening, remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing youth ministry. So start advancing the gospel. Thanks for tuning in.